Well, hello again, and welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas, the host of the show, also the president and founder of Rival Digital. Today, we have uh, a repeat guest. We're, we're welcoming my friend Al Levy back onto the show. Al, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I've not heard myself as a repeat. I've heard myself as a returning visitor, but because repeat is kind of like I ate something and now it's repeating on me. So I hope it's not that. Yeah. He's a, a repeat offender of the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, you know, last time we had Al on the show, we, we had a really good conversation of just generally how you can improve your business through having better systems and processes in place. And, and today we're going to touch on a very hot topic. Uh, as you guys know, it's super hot outside right now. And we're going to be touching on a very hot topic, which is uh, hiring training, retaining good quality technicians, the technicians that you want at your company. Uh, and then also, how do we get them to stay? How do we get them to grow into the company, into their role and up into the ranks? Uh, so really excited to talk about this. I know Al has got a lot of knowledge in this area to share on. So Al, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the floor and, uh, and just tell the folks how we can start tackling this challenge. Yeah, so I just want to back up one quick second is for those who didn't, you know, assume that they didn't remember that I was on the guest. And if you haven't heard me, well, shame on you. <laughs> but the reality yeah. is I was great at sales and marketing and my team was great at blowing everything up. And so I had to stop and go back and put these systems in that I'm now pretty much known for. But the last time we were really talking about marketing is the three rights, which is the right amount of calls from the right customer, right time. So you create a bathtub full of great calls. The problem is your CSRs stink. So it's a drain wide open. And you can blame guys like Eric, but it's not their fault. It's yours because you haven't trained up the CSRs to do the right job. All of that's great. So now we're booking the call. We have the dispatcher set up. And uh, by the way, we don't have any techs. And so <laughs> this is new to you. Look at this face. This is not new to me. This problem was created you know, years ago. It's just a wave. And if you think mm -hmm. because the economy is slowing down that you're over this and there'll be more techs, yeah. So you get the chance maybe to catch your breath for 12 seconds. But many of you have already damaged your company because you dropped your standards, you broke your pay scales, you allowed them to take control where they decide what, how are they going to work. Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, there's no on-call, no extra hours, none of the rest of it. Well, Eric may be great, like a great marketer that he is, but he can't make all of your calls Monday through Friday, nine to five on your schedule. Mm -hmm. The whole goal when I was young in my third generation plumbing, heating, cooling, electric, which is now onto the fourth generation, is we go when the customers call. So we had shifts, seven to four, eight to five, 10 to seven, two to 11, and in the dead of winter, 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Those were shifts, not on call. Mm -hmm. And so- my dad raised myself and my brothers is there are 2000 companies out there. They could have called today. They chose us. And when they chose us, we're going to be there for them. So let's make it more personal. Are you okay? You Mr. Owner or Ms. Owner that your mom's got a three-story colonial. It's 10 o'clock at night and the toilet just exploded and the water is cascading down. And should I just answer the phone if I answer the phone and just go, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. Would you be okay with that? Because I wouldn't be. Nope. So the idea is to, why do you do this? I get it. You were trying to steal texts from others because it feels easier. And how do I know? 
because I did it for years. My company started in 1936. We've been around. Anything you think is new is not. And mm -hmm. so it's different in what's going on and the techniques are different, obviously. But we got to the point, I guess it was, you know, in the 80s when my brothers and I were still young. We were sitting in a seminar together and the guy on the stage is talking about the average age of the tech is going to be 50 years old. And when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and you hear that techs are going to be out there that are 50 years old, you go, oh, no, that cannot be <laughs> scary. Now, that's not an offense to 50-year-old, but let's face it, your body wears down. Mm -hmm. so it's very difficult. And what you can do, you can't do at 50 what you did at 40. and 40, you can't do what you did at 30. and 30, you can't do what you can do at 20. So we committed to this staffing. And the idea was three things. Staffing power is really three things in that. Find the holes in your existing techs and fix them because they all have them. And mm -hmm. they're deathly afraid that you're going to find out because they oversold themselves, especially in this crunch. Then there are the new hires sitting across from you, and they're also hiding because you never get a no. Hey, Eric, do you know how to do a uh, toilet reset? Of course, I've done hundreds of them. <laughs> Eric, do you know how to do a you know, frozen air conditioning coil? Yep. Yep. On what? So, you know, learning to find their holes early, and I'll come to what early is, but really the freedom is for myself and for every company I've worked with one-to-one -one is taking young, willing apprentices with no skills and getting them to be willing techs with great skills who will do it your way if you've defined it in writing, which, of course, goes back to the manuals. Mm -hmm. So... We get energized. We're going to build our hands-on training center because we're going to fix this problem. So we get busy putting it up. I start training people, and they're out in the field for a year, and my brother's calling me up and going, didn't you show them motor rotation? I go, I did. He'd call up about something else, or my service manager would call me up, and I go, look, guys, they've been out of class for a year or two. There's nothing to hang on to. So we had to back up and write the manuals. And when we got done, Eric, we looked at the manuals and we looked at the training center. And we go, we built it all wrong. <laughs> the reason we built it all wrong is because the manuals tell you what tasks they need to be able to demonstrate and learn with you before they get out into my basement, my house. <clears throat> That's really what we did. Now, it's not a tragedy because you're going to build multiple phases of it. But there is a lot to learn about how to build the right hands-on training center. And how to have the manuals is this foundational piece about what it is that you're training them. Because there's a tech manual that tells me from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, what do I need to know other than the work? And that's where they screw up as much as the work. So that's what we're teaching them. Communication, sales skills, things of that nature. The missing piece is a training curriculum that ties in the hands-on training center and these manuals and learning to become a great trainer at your own company. Now, I didn't wake up thinking to myself, oh, I would love to be a great trainer. This sounds like fun. The way it came to me, Eric, was my dad, who was a very nice guy, and he was very quiet spoken. I go to him, I'm probably in my early 30s, and I go, you know, being a tech is fine, dad. Is that all there is? And my dad says, well, I was wondering when you were going to ask. And I go, what? <laughs> you're never getting out of that truck until you figure out how to put other people in that truck. And that was pretty much his only advice, but I'm a pretty good person when it comes to figuring out what I need to do. And 
So I had to improve my own training skills and to learn how to become a better trainer. And here's the reason why. Because my brothers and I realized from all of, we went to tons of seminars, workshops. Frankly, we went to a lot of seminars and workshops so we could go and steal your staff. <laughs> you weren't there with them. That's how, that's how we operated back in the dark old days. And so the, the thing that we knew was there are trainers who really, really know their stuff. But unless you can learn in your sleep, it's not going to help you because they're so boring. Then <laughs> there's guys who are charismatic, you know, really great you know, people, entertaining to watch. But heaven forbid you ask them any question of any depth, they're lost. So the onus for you, which is what we did, is 80% of all of the training they do is in-house with us. That doesn't mean we do everything, but it's the majority of the training because we control it. Because of these systems, we could control it and work on it and be better with them. And we knew what they could and couldn't do. The other piece that I didn't know when we did all of this is the myth that is, oh, what if I train them and they leave? The old-fashioned thing is, of course, is, well, what if you don't train them and they stay? Which is true, but not true in the way that I want you to think of it. The more we trained them, the more we invested in them, the more they moved up our org charts so they were building a career with us, the longer they stayed, the more they bought in, the more they got their friends and everybody else to come join our organization. They became the best recruiters ever. As a matter of fact, when I would do what are the five steps of staffing, which is always recruiting, always hiring, always oriented, always training, always retaining. Those five steps, it's a never-ending thing. Here's the funny part. Well, funny, not funny. Much funnier now, Eric, is that we were great marketers. But we never applied it to recruiting, which recruiting is great marketing, just mm -hmm. a different target audience. And yeah. the change today, of course, is the channels you use. Uh, no kidding, just like marketing's changed. But the marketing is still has central principles. Who is the target audience? How well can you define them? How can you find one, 10, 100, 1,000 of them if you want to be? And it's much, much easier to find young, willing apprentices with no skills than trying to find what I call lightning in a bottle, which is the magic tech who is willing, has great skills, and will do it your way. Mm -hmm. Very hard to repeat. You're going to run out of runway on that. And that's not just me. That's every client that I work with. Here's a good thing to know. You're saying, well, that may have worked in the old days, but not what just happened now. On my, in this new program, Signature Staffing System, which builds on the manual program, I got six video testimonials from six clients of mine who had no problem getting all the great texts they wanted because they already had them in the pipeline. The reason there's only six of them, Eric, is because I only asked six people and they all said, yeah, we want to talk about this. And so that's really the hope and thing that I want to share with you is that this, here's what I also, I want to share with you hope and I want to also blow up a myth. So I'm going to blow up the myth first. You're thinking, we're out of this hiring crunch. Yeah, maybe, but not true. We knew back in the 90s, whoever owns the techs and the ability to create as many great techs as you want, 
really owns the service territory, owns the business. And in our case, we could just keep on adding new trades because we knew the secret sauce. Create the manuals, create the crop, the proper hands-on training center module for that, create training curriculum, and we could just get them all cross-trained to bring on new people and just keep on growing. Some of my companies actually grew and put on more techs and even remote operations right now. So don't be thinking that. So where is the hope? Um, I've shared this before. Ellen Rohr, the great Ellen Rohr, uh, I was lucky enough to call a co-consultant. We also worked on a franchise together. We're riding along in a car and she says to me, because uh, I'm the one that we always used to drive. She goes, uh, Al, when's the best time to plant an oak tree? And I go, I, I don't know. <laughs> I grew up in New York. I'm not even sure I could pick out what's an old tree or not. So I said, uh, why don't you just tell me? She goes, 10 years ago and today. And I said, well, what does that mean? I said, you're going to wish that you had planted it 10 years ago. And if you don't do something today, 10 years from now, you'll still be wishing that you had. Mm-hmm. So I'm begging you, everyone that's listening here, is get started now. Mm-hmm. now much, whether you think it's the time, energy, and money you can devote, where is your time, energy, and money better spent than having great tech? So Eric gets you great calls. How are you going to maximize those calls whenever those calls come in? Yeah. And if you don't have these systems locked, you're in a tough spot. Yeah. I definitely, uh, I definitely think that taking willing people with no skills and turning them into willing people with skills, like you said, that you know, you mentioned that last time on the podcast, and that that resonated with me so much so that I implemented that here at rival digital. That's excellent. That's excellent. And it's, it's been something that really stuck with me. So I know we, we have listeners out there who are in, you know, all different trades. uh, And I even know that I have some friends that listen to this who just like to support me. Thank you. But that (laughs) applies in your industry too, no matter what you're in. Every industry, Eric, you're, you are spot on. It, and so like, that's exactly what we've done here was we would find, you know, we'd have an intern, teach them our ways. They graduate, you hire them. Hey, do you have any friends? Then they become an intern, train them up, graduate, you hire them. And it's, it's just been like a leapfrog effect. Uh, but yeah, like, like you're saying, you can do this um, in the trades, but what I'd like to know is how do you get past the honeymoon phase that you get with new green hires who are willing and eager to learn? So, you know, it has to be a structured approach, kind of like you're going to school as Mm -hmm. when you were a kid going to class. You know, it isn't like you just show up at high school and go, what do you think we should do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's a structured curriculum for this. So, and also you need to paint the picture. So starting at recruiting where I'm looking for just like you, young, willing people. Now you have to today, of course, go where they are. The classic thing is, if you want to catch fish, go where the fish are mm-hmm. and know that the pool is much bigger because there's young, willing apprentices, no skills. There's a whole lot more of that. So today, my clients are using social media as one of their largest sources for that. TikTok videos, make everything has to be very visual because the audience that we're going for is very visual. So it was millennials and now it's Gen Ys and I, I lose track of which alphabet soup we're up to. But the reality is they are the best staff that I've ever encountered at my customer shops. And also when I had my train franchise, same thing. People always go, I don't like millennials. They're, the, they're this, they're that. No, they aren't. 
they're every bit as good as you. So you want a little historical perspective? When I started these classes years ago, one of the guys who was with me, had, had, you know, fought in Vietnam, he was with me. We, we had a whole group of classes and he would tell me all these young kids wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. And I go, well, I got to tell you, Tommy, they said the same thing about you when you first showed up. <laughs> and so it's just a generational thing. Mm -hmm. It's a myth that we kind of do. I think what is clear as, is that you need to communicate with young people. Why are they doing it? Not because you said so. Why are they doing it? So why is it good for the community? Why is it a good, you know, what are we doing here? And why is it good for me? Because we're all operating on the same thing. What's in it for me? Mm -hmm. And even though I look like somebody in their 60s, I act like a six-year-old. I want to know what happens to me if I do. And I want to know what happens to me if I don't. And yep. so that's really part of this whole thing. But they come in young and willing. Uh, when I did an interview, I would have them sit in the chair. I would explain it. I would take the org chart out and explain, here's where you start. Go out there, get great marks for 60 to 90 days. We'll bring you in after hours on your own time. You sign the volunteer form. And I will take you to an apprentice to junior tech. And all that really means is if the trade manuals are big, they don't get to graduate and do everything, but they can do enough that it would be worthwhile for you to put them in a truck, handle some of the calls that you need to do because you're overloaded. Mm -hmm. They can make you money and they can make themselves money and build time on their clock. And can they show up every day? Can they be clean and sober? Can they have a clean driver's license? There's some standards out there that you need to be aware of. And that was really kind of our choke point. Mm -hmm. But once you get what you were talking about is people that are buying in and living by this, they become your model, in our case, model techs, in your case, model employees. Hmm. And so I would partner them up with these model people. I'd move them around between a couple because I want to get a sample of opinion. And they would sniff out who would be good for our culture because we were always trying to protect the culture. And so when I was in an interview with these young people, I would show them around. I would show them the training center and all of them were blown away. This is where they wanted because there was no place else they were going to where they were seeing this. And then the, what I would do is I go, look, we've been talking for a while. I'm going to step out. I'm going to have one of our field supervisors come in and he's going to, he was just like you a couple of years ago. You can ask him any question about anything that we talked about. He's not coming back to talk to me about anything. And it, that was the closing moment. Rarely yeah. ever did I not get the people that I wanted. Now I was looking for five good apprentices at one clip. And the reason is I had five install crews running every day. Now I had 25 service tech, but I would always start them out at install. And the reason I started them out with install is, is cheaper for me to have an apprentice working along with the tech mm -hmm. doing what we were doing, especially once I trained them up. So that was, by the way, stay tuned. It's recruiting, hiring. That's what I did in the orientation process because the five guys that I, five installers, they didn't want somebody they had to spend all day training that didn't know anything. Yeah. So I, what do you want me to do? So in the first five to 10 days, I would get these guys trained up enough that they could be useful when they climbed in that truck. And then they would build time on their clock. And then I would take them through training and then they would earn their way into their own truck. They're out there for a while as a junior tech, getting high marks, great sales, great operation, great technical, minimal callbacks. Now they come back to class and I teach them the rest of the tasks I didn't teach them the first time. And they graduate the senior tech and they get more money and they can do more things and they can cover more of your calls. And then they stay there until the company gets big enough, which is eight to 12 service techs, 
or three to five install crews, and then you will need field supervisors. But field supervisors don't know how to be field supervisors. Basically, what everybody does is they go, you know what, Eric's a good tech. Let's make him the field supervisor. And he doesn't know how to be a boss. He doesn't even know how to be what he really is, a field supervisor. He's more like a big brother, big sister. Mm-hmm. So he watched a movie like Horrible Bosses, and he's just going to be an SOB. Or he's <laughs> going to be everybody's buddy, and neither one of those are right. So the yeah. way to do the program I just talked about, which is phase three of the signature staffing system, is you qualify, which means you prove that you have great sales operation technical skills, and then you compete, and then whoever are the winners get to train so that we get your management skills up. Mm-hmm. And we keep you moving through your career. This is how, in my case, there was a large company. I, you know, there was only one of me and a lot of them, and they can't all be in my face. I become a choke point in my own company, just yeah. like your first manager will be, just like your install manager will be, if you don't have this process to be able to hub and spoke, even at your own company. But in our company, we had one main hub and three spokes on Long Island because drive time, billable hours were severely affected. So we did that. And I've worked with giant shops. Uh, one company is in 19 states. Another wow. one, 13 shops between Alabama and Tennessee. And so, yeah, this works everywhere they are. Most companies, Eric, couldn't open a shop across the street and it would operate the same way. I was, I was talking in, a, in, a, in a, uh, one of these podcasts and uh, I said that, you know, guys couldn't operate a thing a mile away if, if, if they didn't have all these systems. And the two of them start laughing and I go, what's so funny? He goes, we bought the building next door because we overgrew our, our stuff. We were too crowded. And he goes, it was like we were on two faces of the earth. Yeah. Totally separated. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's even, it's like with all the remote stuff too. I know a lot of companies uh, have outsourced, well, not outsourced, but have remote um, after hours CSRs. Yeah. Yeah, they'll send the CSR a phone and a computer and they work after hours and they'll be the office will be in Virginia, but the CSR will be in Indiana. And it's like the people are like, who's that? (laughs) It's like a completely different person. It is unless they've been trained on how to do that right. The fact that they have, like you said, laptop and, you know, access to the software doesn't make make them trained if they don't have manuals to be a great CSR. if They don't have manuals to know how to dispatch. That's the problem. Yeah. If the tech doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing other than the work, and then the manual that defined the work, all of this is compromised. And that yeah. means you will be compromised. But if you buy into this, learning how to recruit the way we just talked about, find their holes quicker, even if you're going to hire experienced people, and then give them a career and then orient them the right way, which frankly is just number one, going through the manuals. Mm-hmm unpacking them. You can't just give it to me. You can't just put it in an LMS learning management system and think I'm going to know what the hell you meant when you wrote it because I won't. And then it's a matter of training them that it's nonstop. And here's the part you miss is retaining them is you think they're always on the team until they walk out. (laughs) And so what are you doing in building a career? What are you doing every day? I mean, I learned stuff late in my career. One of the best retaining things is I just learned to have a stand-up meeting, pretty much try to do it once every week or two, where I would meet with pretty much every employee that was there. And I would say, so tell me the what's going right, what's going wrong, what should I know right now? And it was not like sit down and let's have a long talk. 
the reason I did that is I hated when they would show up my door at five o'clock and now they knock, knock, what are you doing here? Usually it's because either I need a pay raise or I've already quit. And then you're trying to buy them back and that doesn't mm -hmm. work. You end up with bad feelings. You need to be much more proactive is what I learned. And so I could tell by the way they enthusiastically shared Mm -hmm. or not enthusiastically shared, or the fact that they looked at me or didn't look at me would tell me if they're on the team, excited about their own personal career and journey at this company. Yeah. Many of them, as they rose, were actually excited that they could help the next wave come up, which was, frankly, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, so these young, willing apprentices, you know, they were doing time around with these guys, the guys that had come up through my training and now have gone on to junior tech or senior tech or field supervisor, they would actually give their used tools to the new guys hmm. because they remembered what it was like to be them. And yeah. they wanted to put a hand down to help lift those guys up. It's really, a, it's really a great thing. And this is not my company only. It's where these companies have bought into this process. Yeah, absolutely. Now I know what the listeners are thinking right now, Al. And that is, well, this sounds great and all, but it's a hundred degrees outside. And I needed these people trained up in a truck, ready to roll two months ago. What do I do now? And I, and I totally hear it. So we had a poster on the wall mm -hmm. and there was a, a, a young person running from a swamp and there's an alligator right behind them. Mountain jaws open. And it said, the time to think about how to drain the swamp properly is not now. <laughs> so um, you're in this situation. I absolutely suggest that you have great, never-ending recruiting ads for experienced techs. But it can't be just what you want. Mm -hmm. Five years experience, you know, all the licensing. Yes, I know you want all that. But why would I who's already got a good job, which is what you're talking about, why would I want to go to you? If you're not offering me a career, if you're not offering me something that's special, why should I be leaving where I am? What mm -hmm. differentiates you? Gee, does that sound like what differentiates you when I called you for my plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical, garage doors, my kitchen cabinetry? Yeah, it's the same thing. So having great ads, which is what we learned to do. We used to write the ads that I talked about really awful until I worked with my great marketing guru. And he said, how's the mark? How's the recruiting going? I go, not as well as I'd like. He goes, let me take a look. And he goes, these are horrible. <laughs> he goes, why would anybody? So we learned how to not see everything from our perspective, to see it from their perspective. And then you have to go where these experienced techs are hanging out mm -hmm. uh, and try to get them to come along. But that's still a stopgap. Put your finger in the, the trying to hold the water back your hand up against the dam because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And I used to, by the way, it's, even as after we mastered all of this, I could make as many great texts as I ever wanted. And the companies I've worked with would attest to the same thing. Don't believe me, just go to the page and take a look for yourself. But I would still hire people for these reasons. Somebody with expertise that we didn't have ourselves. Somebody new because we didn't want to just be inbred is the only great idea was the ideas of just the, we had ourselves, but that was the exception to the rule. That's the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. So yes, by all means, recruit those people, hire them better, orient them better, train them better and do your job to retain them. Mm 
And can you turn them into a model tech? That's my question. If you can, and they're willing to buy into your manuals, your training, um, you know, moving up, getting others to move up behind them, then you are offering a career that differentiates you from everybody else that's screaming at them, come work for me, come work for me. There's a reason to go to your shop because I can either work here or I can you can open up a branch and I can run that. That's a way to differentiate yourself to the experienced techs. So you're going to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince. And so it really depends on your own standards. I, I get yeah. what you're But here's what I guarantee you what we were talking about before. This will come again. So if you think you're going to get through this summer season and this will all pass, eh, not likely. <laughs> it's not ever really happened. It's going to be back again. So you have to begin to do this thing. Now, did I train in the dead of summer and the dead of winter? It was, we still did our weekly meetings. We never sacrificed that because they were too critical in the case of service where I'm looking for great sales, great operation, great technical behavior. And it's all great communication, operation, technical. So what those weekly meetings are was keeping the manuals in place, discussing how we do our work, always looking for better, cheaper, faster ways as we went along. Yeah. And we keep it. So the danger, Eric, is you think you don't need meetings. Okay. You like how everything is going on? You're happy with your callback rate? Are you happy with all these other things? Well, then I tell you, don't meet. Now, what are you meeting on if you don't have structured meetings and know how to run well-run meetings, which I did not. So we never had meetings because we were too busy. And then sure enough, Eric, the tech, would screw up. And now we're going to drag all of you off the road so we can yell at you for four hours. Mm -hmm. That was an effective meeting. Because it wasn't. And everybody in the room goes, the only reason we're here is because Eric messed up. They all yep. know. That's not the meetings I'm talking about. Well-run meetings, start, stop, tight agenda, frequently, you know, again, especially once you have systems, getting reattached to that and making sure we're following that. Each and every one of us is how we root out some of these things. So meetings is very critical to this process. What's the agenda of a a well-run meeting typically look like? Like how how much curriculum is fit into that meeting? So it's not like I'm not filling the box meeting. Mm -hmm. That's not what it's like. Because that's separate. That's part of, again, recruiting, hiring, orienting, mm -hmm. and then training individually for everyone who's coming on board, depending on where they are. Whether it's a CSR, dispatcher, accounts receivable, accounts payable, every one of the boxes on my org chart. For tech, same thing as we're orienting. What we're doing is bringing the groups together individually because each of them have a manual. And if you're not meeting on the manual and covering one to two pages a week, then those manuals begin to be a kind of in your system, kind of in your culture, and it starts to fall out. Momentum is both ways. It's either going and getting better or it's going downhill as fast as you went up. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the centerpiece of it. So we have a structured meeting for service meeting and we have a structure for install meeting and we separate about how do we improve the KPIs that we're looking for in each one of those. One of the things is reattaching to the multiple manuals and some of it is going out to the hands-on training center for a bit and talking about something, reviewing the score. How did we do? There's no reason to keep score if we're not going to look at it, which is akin to if my parents weren't looking at my homework, I assure you, I was not going to do it. 
<laughs> and I don't think anybody else is going to do it either. So the, there are, as part of the operating manual systems, there's very detailed meetings for daily meet, meetings, weekly meetings, monthly meetings, quarterly meetings, and even yearly things. There's a lot of meetings, but not everybody's going to one meeting. And there are guidelines to how to put a good meeting together, which is start time, stop time, honor both. Mm -hmm. Don't wait around till you just come rolling in 10 minutes later because you've violated everybody else that's already been there who made it a point to be there. And that's also covered in the in the manuals, which is you can't keep showing up to the meetings late without a disciplinary consequence. And holding the agenda that's tight and that's known and then taking notes, and making sure that everybody gets those notes afterwards. So we make sure we all kind of had a reason to be there. I'm a big fan of shorter amount of people, smaller, not politically correct to have everybody come to a mm -hmm. meeting because if you can't get to talk and participate, then it's not really a truly valuable meeting in my opinion. So in our case, we had a lot of texts. I'm not going to pull them all off the road. I had an early Tuesday morning. I had a late Wednesday meeting so I could cover the people that were doing the 10 to 7, 2 to 11, 5 to 2 shift. Mm -hmm. And then I also had an early morning on Thursday and they were really the same meeting that I just held three times. We built our part of this program is learning how to build the right training room, which is a classroom. But mm -hmm. even that, there's tricks to it. And part of it is knowing that if you build it too huge, people just get lost in this giant space. So mm -hmm. I'd rather have small meetings. Uh, now, of course, there's a lot more with Zoom. Uh, but I still think there's a huge part for face-to-face -face meetings uh, if COVID behaves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, you know, there's ways to get it done, as always. Yeah. You know, I think that, and I, I could be wrong because I've never, ever run a heating and air conditioning or mechanical trade business. So I could be wrong. Uh, but I, I believe just personally that you will see a greater return on your recruitment and retention efforts by having trainings like this, weekly, oh. monthly, structured, because no matter what anyone says, everyone wants to feel like they're a part of a team and they want to feel like they're stretched and challenged. Uh, and if you don't meet, you just send them in a truck every day to go fix water heaters. They're going to eventually see ads on Facebook for another company doing what they want. I totally agree. Uh, one of the reasons that pe young people came and stayed at my company, and I mean for decades, was that they felt that they could put their fingerprints on the company in a way that was constructive. So we had our systems, they were trained on our systems, but they knew that we would be coming back and revisiting this daily, weekly, monthly, you know, and there would be a chance for them to express what there was. And what I learned in, in having meetings, by the way, was quite accidentally is I always felt, you know, as the boss, I, I had to come up with every solution to every problem. And there were problems that, you know, just plagued us. And we're in a meeting talking about how to handle after hours because we, we answered our own phones around the clock. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy says, you know what, I come off a call and then, you you know, late in the morning, I'm around a call at 2 a.m. And then you get up to the dispatch out at 6 a.m. and you're calling me up because you don't understand the message. <laughs> that's, that's not fun. Then what should you do? He goes, give me a dedicated line. I will leave a voice message. You'll hear me telling you exactly what I did. And we talked about how to tag the part and things of that nature. Because in the case of in New York, where there's like hydronic heat, there's five circulators and they're all red. 
So you know, he learned how to tag the one and said, it's the second from the left. It's got a tag on it. Mm-hmm. And all of us just kind of did, oh, wow, that was something. So, yeah, that's one of the beauties of well-constructed meetings and why they like to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's crucial. Um, absolutely. So, Al, as we begin to wrap up here, uh, is there anything that we haven't hit on yet that you were hoping to cover during this during this conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, a case of is I know you're busy or I, I think you know that you can still help, but you're building it all wrong, in my opinion. And it's just my opinion, but it's based on my own business for 26 years and the 20 years I've been doing this. And now with these programs, the signature operating manual system that leads to the second program, signature staffing systems, you can actually have all the great techs you ever wanted if you're willing to get in on board and follow along the way that I lay it out. And that is a far better way to leverage the calls that Eric generates for you when they're generated and make yourself a lot more money with a whole lot less stress. It is so much more enjoyable to go to work with people that are willing. And if you can get willing covered early on, the rest of it is not that hard. If you're systematic, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. So Al, where can our listeners go to learn more uh, about the the seven power contractor and then also uh, your new collateral as well? So it's the number seven powercontractor.com. There's a lot of good stuff in the blogs. Yes, it's mine. I know I just bragged on my own kid. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I put on there to help you. Anybody uh, it's been mm-hmm. great blogs for a long time. But there's also good podcasts like this and some of my own, what I call seven power contractor podcasts, which is just me reading my blogs because you're in a truck and you don't have time (laughs) to read it. So if you go to sevenpowercontractor.com, you'll go, there's a tab products and there's the thing about the manuals, the signature manual system. And there's also the thing there about the signature staffing system. That's one way you can get to it. If you're just curious about the staffing system, it's sevenpowercontractor.com forward slash S as in Sam three. Mm-hmm. And if you're curious about the manuals, it's sevenpowercontractor.com forward slash S as in Sam, Oscar, Mary, Sam, S-O-M-S. Got it. All right, Al, well, thank you so much for joining me again uh, as a repeat guest on the podcast. This is <laughs> we go, a repeat offender again. There we yeah, go. Repeat offender. Looking forward to your next uh your next appearance already. So <laughs> Al, I appreciate you again so much. Have a great rest of your day and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com. <laughs>